0: y'all. Sup y'all. Welcome to another episode of We Don't Know Her. I'm Katie. And I'm Christy. And today we're we're in fucking risky business guys. We're taking a risk today. Risky, risky business. Um, We're talking about risks, our relationship with them, um, how we've been more risk averse at times and then more maybe um, unaware of even what a risk was at, at certain
1: points in our life. You would think that As human beings, that like it would be built in us to recognize risk, but
0: only certain kinds.
1: Yeah. I think that we naturally
0: recognize some kinds, physical ones, maybe sometimes um, in certain ways, like our evolutionary brain kicks in. But a lot of the times, I think that what we think is a risk is not, and then what we think is safe is a risk. And I think that we're just all sorts of confused. Yeah. So we're going to go over that. Before we do, let's do our. Check in and our ketchup, ketchups.
1: I feel like we need to make a logo of ketchup, and oh. like incorporate that somehow. In I would, you know, I love ketchup. ketchup. I'm a ketchup stand forever. So that's what it's gonna be. We're gonna call this like our Heinz segment. <laughs> get sued. <laughs> we we'll get sued right away. Just kidding. Um. All right. So what's going on? Let's let's fill everyone in.
0: So um, my major update is that as I said last week, um, you know, medication update um so now i started taking my meds a week ago i i'm not gonna feel any effects i'm not expecting to feel any effects in terms of it making my anxiety better yet it usually takes a couple of weeks at least so i'm not expecting a ton i'm more just on the lookout and trying to pay attention for um my side effects and symptoms stuff like that i've been super tired and um groggy like i told you it feels like i took benadryl Mm -hmm. basically Um, so, you know, so far so good though. No major side effects and I don't feel sick or anything like that that I was worried about. So I can, I can deal with the
1: grogginess. That's not the worst thing in the world. Well, how are you feeling overall? Are you still feeling pretty hopeful or are you still a little anxious about when it will work? Like, how are you feeling about the process so far? I feel less
0: anxious now that I'm on them, you know, (laughs) because I was so afraid they were going to make me like violently ill. Tomorrow is my last... Tomorrow is the day that I go to, like, my full dose. So once that, that I'm, is like, I'm, so it's still, like, I could still get sick, you know? I'm still a little nervous. After I do that, I think I'll feel better. And I don't know. I'm, I'm in a place where I'm – I think I'm in a much better place either way. So I just think – although the effects of the medicine haven't quite kicked in yet, I think I'm just in a better place in terms of feeling like I'm on your way. Yeah, and, like, the effects of, like, because of the medication, like, I haven't, I mean, I literally, at this point, I think I've drank wine, like, twice in the last month and a half, Mm
1: -hmm. maybe, at this point. Yeah, I feel like I haven't seen you drink wine in several weeks. I actually don't know the last time. It was before California. Yeah.
0: Like, I've had wine, I think, once or twice since then, Um, and... You know, I'm not drinking now, especially when I'm trying to see the side effects of the medication at all. So, um, yeah, I I feel – and I feel like – I am curious. Some people do say that they start feeling some effects of the medication right away. Mm -hmm. And I do think that the medication I'm on is primarily for OCD and anxiety, like specialized. It's not necessarily depression and anxiety. And maybe it's a placebo effect, but I do feel a little bit more balanced with food. Than I did before. My anxiety isn't better yet. But the food. It's weird. I, I, I'm, I know this is going to sound really dumb. To anyone who doesn't have like. um, Like disordered sorry, thoughts. Sorry it's making. About- yeah like the, you guys are going to have to bear with me a little bit. Uh, my brain is like super foggy. But yeah like disordered thoughts around food. I'm able to just like. Choose something to eat for lunch. I know that sounds really dumb. But like every lunch to me every particularly lunch because Mm -hmm. that's the meal I eat by myself I don't eat breakfast I don't really like it and dinner's with Ricky so lunch is like free time for me I can do whatever I want and I work from home so I can order food if I wanted to and typically the way that I've been living since I moved here I have this like unspoken rule with myself where I'm allowed to order lunch once a week Mm -hmm. and then the rest I can't mostly for money's sake like I just don't want to waste money but I really overanalyze that. Like, I'm like a kid who has, like, a certificate to something, you know? Like, I'm like, what day? What mm-hmm. should it be? Is it definitely the right day? Is it worth it? Like, it's never even occurred to me that I could order lunch more than one day. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it. Th- I was like, I shan't speak of it. Like, right. I wouldn't, I just have all these rules in place that I don't even realize, which we talked to Jesse Jollis about when she was on our podcast. Like, I That are just, I don't even know the rules that I've made. And I think that it's helped me this week. I didn't order lunch any day. Mm -hmm. Because to me, I was either like I wanted something so much and it was like a cheat food and I was like so excited about it and like revolving my day around it. Or I'm like eating something really healthy that I'm like this fucking sucks and I don't like it and it doesn't taste good and I'm just eating it out of necessity. This was the first week that I was able to kind of do
1: both. Mm -hmm. and like eat when I was hungry and not eat when I wasn't well we definitely had a whole episode talking about this but there are still things that come up about food um because Mm -hmm. I'm the same exact way it's the way of like how I bargain with myself of how I'm gonna feel afterwards and will I be riddled with guilt and shame if I make the wrong decision on the wrong day when I try to treat myself and Mm -hmm. That in conjunction with not doing, you know, I'm not working out as much anymore, as much as <laughs> meaning ever. We're not working out. You and I are not. We should. We're. You know what? My therapist said I have to stop should, could, and woulding myself. So I'm not gonna say should, but we are not. Yeah, we are just we're not. not. And I'm not trying to hide it because it's it's just. There's been a lot of life changes, so it just hasn't been something I could do. But all of that ties into the food and making decisions about what we eat every single day is something that we have struggled with without even knowing it for so long. So, yeah, Mm. it may sound like very minuscule to somebody else about what to decide to eat for lunch, but there's a lot of weight for us when we make that decision because, you know, I've said before on that episode how people will comment like, oh, you look – you're so healthy. You eat so healthy. And I I verbally have to say – you know, I kind of speak it out where I'm like, I eat this way so that I can eat garbage on the weekend. Like, you don't understand. It's not, I don't want you to get the wrong idea. Like, mm-hmm. I'm keeping a balance with myself. But it is kind of, you know, it depends on how much weight you put on the rules. Because I think that it, it's a fine line between maintaining the balance and then having obsessive rules with yourself. Right. So. Think- and why, What? what is the reason for yeah. the balance? You know, like,
0: for me, it's not... There's everything, everything that goes into it um, and it really, I think this will be a good way to test, um, to start. I've even like, you know what's so strange is I started drinking hot tea again. Mm-hmm. I haven't had hot tea in years and it was something I drank when I was very into fitness and working out and eating clean. And I think I'm in a space where now I'm allowing myself to go back to things that maybe we're a little bit triggering to me of like no that's for when you're really healthy and when you're really committed and when you're really um that's somebody else like that girl who drank black we don't know her the girl who drank black coffee and plain hot tea and ate oats with nothing in it
1: <laughs> a life we don't I, want to live anymore I don't
0: know her but I am I'm allowed to start bringing some of that stuff back and now I'm having peppermint tea but I'm still putting honey in it and I don't care um and it
1: does feel better sometimes I think you know i I read um, in an article very briefly, I'm not going to try to act like an expert, but I did read very briefly that, um, you know, we talk about the mind-body connection a lot and Mm -hmm. listening to your signals of your body and how you feel. However, specifically with disordered thoughts around food, apparently it it can really cloud that judgment of reading your body signals. So I think maybe Mm -hmm. if you are becoming more in tune mentally and your anxiety is going a little bit lower... You can kind of tune into how your body's feeling when you drink tea now as opposed to coffee it just makes you feel better and it's not because of you know a standard that you're putting on yourself it's more so just this is just what feels good right now so yeah you know I think it's all it's all tied in but it, it yeah it plays a role every day
0: yeah so yeah that's most of my I mean all of my update has really been that I mean obviously of course I'll keep y'all posted so where's
1: your mental state my ketchup yeah my Heinz 57 um mm-hmm. it's Um, kind of similar, maybe in some ways. It's it's more so about just my productivity in general lately. And I think I talked about it maybe a couple weeks ago. I was having a lot of brain fog as well, but it was mostly because I I think it was a combination of hormonal, but Mm -hmm. also exhaustion, and then also see like the seasons changing. All of these things. Like I'm having some existential crises as we as one does when the winter is coming. So. Basically, the past couple of weeks, I've just been feeling. I've been trying to just keep my head above water in terms of not sinking into a hole of feeling bad for myself because I haven't been working out or feeling very productive, even just with my everyday responsibilities. Like, I'm still keeping myself accountable in some ways. So, I'm trying to focus on that. You know, like every single week, I make it a point to prep my food for the week and make sure that I'm responsible in that way going back to the whole food thing because I don't want to it's a very slippery slope as we just said with the food so I am keeping myself accountable in that way so I can feel good about that but it's more so just I just haven't had a lot of energy and I feel like I'm not taking as much advantage as I should be um Mm -hmm. there's that word should Mm -hmm. with the fall, like I love the fall so much and I always love to embrace the season, but I haven't been and I am I feel like I'm kind of missing out on a good opportunity before it gets really cold and then I really am inside all the time. However, my energy level, I just don't feel like it. All I wanna do is kind of just rest and I'm telling myself that it's okay. You know, I'm still going to work every day. I'm still putting my all into work every day and, and my week. But yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those, those little dips I'm still in and I'm slowly but surely trying to work my way out of it by just accomplishing one thing at a time. You know, Things that I have pending for myself, I'm just trying to check them off one at a time. And I, I feel like I'm telling myself a lot, like it's, it's okay, we're gonna be okay. You're gonna get it done, it's gonna be fine. And uh, that's kind of where we're at. And
0: there's ways to improvise too. Like you don't, I mean, I, there's other ways to celebrate fall other mm-hmm. than going outside and hiking. And I get it because I love to hike in the fall as well. There's years I don't. There's literally whole falls. I don't do it at all. And then somewhere I'm like, I was out again this weekend. I was out Saturday and Sunday. I'm in the same boat as you where I don't have, I really don't have a ton of time. Mm-hmm. And the time I do have, I don't fucking feel like it. Yeah. I want to relax. Um, I think that, that's okay and I think that being like okay so maybe I should just like watch scary movies and I'll do things that I like to do in fall that I feel like I can only do now Mm -hmm. um and you know participate in that and yeah every season that's always going to be like that and you know it's going to be different each year yeah and it's I think it's can be very hard You have to prepare for change because you're not going to be able to do that every season for the rest of your life. So you might as well just start being like, well, maybe I should put some more things in my basket of things I love for fall. Um, Right. Because, you know, you won't always
1: be able to. Yeah. No, it's true. And it is just part of that bigger life lesson of always – change is always (laughs) – Things Mm -hmm. change all the time, and you have to be resilient. And, you know, hanging on to tradition of what I might do from year to year every fall, it's not set in stone. And I am trying harder to listen to my body more and what feels right at the time. So, you know, it's not without any type of reward or growth, but I think it's just still that, like, mental struggle of, like, I feel like I should be taking more advantage. And I think that that's just probably some residual past Christy mindset that I'm processing. Well, I think what
0: is what can be helpful, and I don't know if your therapist ever says this, but my therapist made me do this the other day, where you write down a list of all the things that you feel like you should mm-hmm. do, um, and then break them down into categories of things that you're going to do would need to be done immediately, for mm-hmm. real. You really do need to do. Things that you're like, I'll do it when I get to it. Like, I will. I'm going to put this on a list. And then some things that you're like, I'm
1: That's, never going to do this. yeah.
0: I'm not, and here's, and the truth is, like, what my therapist said is true, because I do the same thing, but she's like, you're wasting time, so either do it, yeah. or don't fucking do it, mm-hmm. but just in there, like, I should, <laughs> like, for who, who are you saying that for, like, I no know. one cares right. what you're talking about you should do, um, it's just a way to make yourself feel better, and yeah. like of like a, I'll do it tomorrow type thing. Where nobody cares if you do
1: it tomorrow or not. Right. I mean, that is to you. that is kind of the luxury because I'm always like, well, maybe it's because I'm single and I don't live with anybody that I don't have anybody keeping myself accountable. So. It's like almost like... You know they don't keep you accountable no, anyway. exactly. They and don't even notice if you're... They're like, oh, you have a goal? Yeah. Are you working towards something? <laughs> I'm too busy over here watching TV. I don't really
0: care. Ricky the other day said, did you get new slippers? And I said, I've had these for almost two weeks. <laughs> and I've worn them every day. Every day. I lay... I think I've even had my feet on him on the couch wearing them. And he didn't notice until I had him in a headlock don't, wear, don't ask why. I had him in a headlock and had his head facing towards the ground. And he was like, you have new slippers? And I was like, number one, you shouldn't have taken that away from this. I had you in a headlock because right. I was annoyed with you. Um, but number two, that just says a lot
1: about, you know, this entire dynamic. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, so that's where we are. And, you know, I think that it's it's a transitional season. So we are also having some transitions in real life. And we're getting through it. But I think... Um, it does help to talk about stuff like this today, talking about taking risks and leaps of faith. I think there's like fine differences between the both, even dealing with change and all of this other stuff that we're going to get into, but it does help to kind of reflect on that. And then it does show, it's a more tangible way to look at your growth as opposed to like trying to convince yourself in the moment of feeling bad for yourself. Mm-hmm. So I guess just starting out with the topic, unless you had any other update? No, I don't. I guess the reason we wanted to talk about taking risks today was because Katie and I have been known to just float through life and, you know, make some decisions consciously and others we kind of just found ourselves in. And as we're getting older and more aware, I think the risk factors also become more apparent to us where I don't know if it's just like the life experience or like our heightened anxiety, where we're like, okay, so we're gonna do this, and we just got to do it. So how do we deal with that?
0: And there's well, there's two there's two things happening at once. Is that number one, we're getting older. So of course, the older you get, the more risk averse you become, and the more that you um, more responsible you come yeah, Of course, you're so considering all the factors. You're aware of things, but then there's also for me, um, a lot of my risk aversion was is trauma. Mm-hmm. connected. So, I was super risk averse for a while, um at different points in my life after different tragedies, uh because I was so scared, I was so scared of something happening again. And I think that we'll get into that in a little bit, but like even the difference in that of where you and I were 5 years ago in terms of how risk how risky were we willing to be mm-hmm. and also understanding maybe the other's position more now in hindsight than we did at the time. Yeah. Um, in terms of why did you want to take risks and why did I not? Um, yeah. So, I mean, starting off, I think that you and I, well, I won't speak for you, but if I had to guess, I would assume that you were like me, a little bit more like me than balls to the wall. There's some kids that are like just risk takers from the moment they're born, you know, like Jumping off things, uh, breaking bones all the time, like just doing, you know, like do you feel like you took, you were like a natural
1: risk taker? Mm. Like if a kid dared you to do something, would you do it? Sometimes I feel like I would. And I think that I, I think it's something that I was born with that I've talked about before where I. For as long as i can remember have always just wanted to see what would happen if i do this mm-hmm. and i never i don't i don't know that i would really associate it with me feeling like i was taking a risk it was more so just like yeah i'll do it like i'm thinking of like i have a couple key memories from like two decades of my life like as a child i loved being on the playground i loved going on the monkey bars i loved kind of just like just acting like a little kid and and kind of maybe being a little riskier in that sense, but I wasn't like diving head first into things. Like, I remember, <laughs> just a quick little childhood story. I had a friend who came over, she was going on the monkey bars. she sat on top of the monkey bars and I, that was like amazing to me. Like you might as well be a professional. And I just thought that it was so cool and I wanted to do it too. So I did it, not thinking of, not thinking ahead of, okay, so once I'm up there, how do mm-hmm. I get down? So I just wanted to have the the rush of like being able to do it but not thinking of the consequences. I so, they still have monkey bars. Monkey bars are the source of so many kids' trauma. Sorry, keep going. But they're, they're just so fun. I've And so maybe this kind of set me up for the rest of my life, how <laughs> I carried myself. But I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Not thinking of the consequence. And mm-hmm. then next thing you know, I literally fell flat on my face because I was like, okay, well, there's no other way. She showed me this, like, technical way to get down, and I was like, I'm not doing that. That looks way more scary than if I were to just jump off. I'm just going to jump off. So I jumped off just right from the top of the monkey bars and I did land on my face. I did lose a tooth really? and I was gushing blood. Oh god. But it was fine. And you know, I wasn't it wasn't super high up. I would say maybe like 5 or 6 feet trying to like mm-hmm. I mean as a little kid you don't know, but it probably realistically around that height and I did learn my lesson um for the monkey bars but not for my life because then I would say yeah, I still think that I kind of just did that. Like, I I took like I took acid in high school because somebody was told me that it was like six dollars, and I was I was like appeal like it was like appealing to me that it was so cheap that I didn't think of the consequences. Well, that
0: I mean, I think that I think I think t- being a risk taker by the time you get to high school is different because by then I had learned because I am quite the opposite. I from the moment I was born was so risk averse. I mean. I, looking back, it almost feels honestly that I didn't have a childhood because I didn't do anything that kids do. I didn't ride bikes. I, I don't do laundry. I don't do reading.
1: <laughs> I don't do reading.
0: No, but really, I didn't ride bike. I couldn't. Couldn't ride a bike. Um, Couldn't do like, I, I didn't do monkey bars or cartwheels or I couldn't do anything like that. I played soccer kind of, but I also always got hurt. Like, always. <laughs> And it was, like, really, it was very traumatized. Like, it wasn't, like, a fun time for me. It was very uncomfortable. I never fit in. My dad had to coach it to try to help me feel better. It didn't work. It was really, and then I quit. My dad just kept coaching, and he liked all the other kids better than me. It was so awkward. Oh. Um. So, like, I just never, and my sister is was a super risk taker. Like, she was born just, like, Wanting to do the most dangerous things. Like, she was going on roller coasters by the time she was six. Like, I don't do roller coasters. I don't do rides. I I, I couldn't even swim. I've never... I don't know that I've ever jumped into a pool. Like, ever. Wow. I just don't... I'm so afraid of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned... Like, I thought that as a kid... I was like, being risky is being physical. Like, as a kid, everything that was scary was physical. And I just... I've never had a broken bone to this day. Me either. I, I, which, like, I, knew, so, I don't know how you don't uh, well, or didn't.
1: because I think that I was still... Because you were light like a cat, like, just landed I, on your I feet. Think, yeah, I think <laughs> partially because I was very agile, but also because I, I still had, like, some sense of caution. It was weird because, like, I did want to have fun and do things, like, climb trees, ride bikes and stuff. But I also, if I did get hurt... Um, I maybe I was just lucky. I don't know. Yeah. Because I am very like meticulous. If I'm like climbing a tree, like I'm not just up there, like fucking, you know. You're not very accident prone in general. Oh, that's not true. Well, things happen to you all the time, but I wouldn't say they're your like, you don't trip and fall. Like, you get like attacked and like hit and like. I spill things a lot though. Yeah. Like, I knock things over a lot. So it really all depends. But yeah, I think I still had this like nice little sweet spot of like still being able to be a little risky and do things, but then also kind of staying in my lane. So I never. Like, I've never broken a bone and I've never been stung by a bee because I was... I have. Well, I haven't. Well, and that's why, I mean, I think that says a lot about where
0: I'm at with my mental state (laughs) of bees, too. Um, But, like, I... Once I realized, by the time, like, middle school, like, late middle school came around, I realized that you could be risky without doing anything physical Mm -hmm. I was like oh wait a second I was like I'm not afraid to drink alcohol I'm not afraid to smoke weed I'm not afraid to go into the woods I'm not afraid to date somebody I'm not afraid to do any of that kind of stuff I if anything was the I realized then that I was like this is where I shine in the space of not fearing authority or what could happen to me in the future
1: that is my that's where I shine well were your parents when you were growing up because I'm thinking of like When we were younger and the difference between us and how we wanted to take risks or not, like were your parents very careful with you and like very, not protective, but just watchful and like more hands-on? Because I'm wondering if like that maybe even kind of can be part of the reason why. It was partially that, yes, because I was the first kid Mm -hmm.
0: um, and I was five when my sister was born. So it had been just me for a long time. But what I will say is that my cousins, who I was around all the time, as if they were my sisters, um, they were just like my sister and I. Where one of them's a risk taker, one isn't. They were around me. My aunt and my other family members that kind of raised me were not as precious with me at all by any means. I'm like my aunt thought it was insane that I was on a schedule as a baby, and when my mom told her my schedule, she was like, "Listen, I'll feed her when I feed her. Okay, <laughs> I'm not." So there's no, um, I was just born a very type A, like this is actually like that exact story when my mom, it was the first time, this is just like a fun thing. My aunt, it was the first time she ever watched me as a newborn. My mom said, here's her schedule, here's when she eats, she needs a bottle at 6 p.m. I was like five months old and at 6 p.m. on the dot, I started crying and my, the Action News theme song had just come on and my aunt swore that like I knew that like that's what I heard and but that's how type A and regimented I am and always have been I'm just um, and with that comes a lot of calculation Mm -hmm. and safety and I saw my sister raised by the same people and from the moment she was born just and they were just as careful with her yeah and but she didn't she just had a different type of thing like I you know I've never gone in the ocean past my waist she was out there jumping in waves as a three-year-old you know like we were just very different in that way and I think if I didn't have a sister who was so different, it wouldn't have been so glaring, glaringly obvious to me and everyone else what, like, a baby I was about mm. everything. Everyone who knew me knew that I was just so scared of everything, everything. Um
1: well, it's kind of funny because I feel like, despite any of my fears, I was still, like, like I still to this day need to learn... By consequence, like you mm-hmm. can't warn me of anything. I learned that lesson, yeah, yeah. about you. <laughs> you can warn me, and mm-hmm. if for some reason you're lucky and it sticks, then maybe I will go. With it has it. to be pretty serious. You have to really believe that the other person truly or, believes that you are in or that danger I, or something. Mm, even then, though, I still feel like I'm. I don't really know what it takes to like for me to believe like any type of warning. I'm just like I just need to figure it out for myself. Like I will push the limit until. I know that I can't. So I think that's just how I've experienced life is by making mistakes and like suffering the consequences. But I do learn, even though it takes a few times maybe, but like I will eventually learn like, and that's, I think why I became much more, um, not risk averse, but just a little bit more cautious and anxious about taking risks now because I'm like, I've seen what happens if I don't think things through. So we're older and wiser and
0: well, and you also don't drink anymore and that's that takes away a lot of like a lot of risky a lot of risky behaviors and stuff for me and for you happened when we were not sober like when we were doing things that putting ourselves places doing things
1: that Denings. were not the
0: safest not the safest choices yeah we're going
1: to tell a quick story at some point in this because it does factor into our risk taking a little incident that happened in Miami but we'll get there mm-hmm. um so i guess just to also kind of backtrack a little bit but um giving some context to our interpretation of risk so i know that there is you know specific definitions from yeah i'm gonna
0: i i will let i'm gonna tell people what they are so that going forward we have a real clear idea because even before the episode started you and i looked it up just to make sure that we even have a clear understanding
1: you know like yeah we need to quantify what a risk is because it's not it's really just like a concept
0: so you know per the dictionary a risk is a situation involving exposure to danger um or exposure to danger harm or loss so a risk does have a direct negative connotation or a chance of having true like harm loss or, danger. or or danger so um and then on the other hand there's a chance which is a possibility of something happening or the occurrence and development of events in the absence of any obvious sign so both of them have an are an open ended situation with a question mark, but one there is a chance of harm, and one there's just op- options for all sorts of different things to happen. Um, so I think that for us, um, you know, not all of my risks that I've taken, the major ones that I took note of that we're gonna talk about, um, are things that would relate to me being physically harmed. Some are. Um, But there's also emotional harm. There's also all sorts of different things that can tie into that
1: can be classified as that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say, yeah, I think it's important for us to also kind of quantify for ourselves what we consider a risk. Because as we reflect on things that we're going to share that we felt like were the riskiest things, like you said, don't always involve us being in physical danger. It could be, an actual life-threatening risk of where we put ourselves in a situation or it could be a threat to our comfort zone because that also feels like a risk for me where if i'm stepping outside of my comfort zone and something that like a routine there's any type of change change i felt like was a little bit more synonymous with risk because because of the unknown i just automatically you know it automatically felt risky to me but Um, doesn't mean that I was like in a dangerous situation per se. And yeah, like I think, and mine
0: are more, um, all of my quote unquote risks are going against the conventional idea, the conventional plan, the plan that I had for myself. So veering away from, um, maybe what people would say is the smartest choice on paper or the best, the thing that I should do quote unquote logically is, um, Those are the things that I consider risks because the truth is like, I think a lot of times people take risks and it involves um, betraying yourself Mm -hmm. in that risk. And for me, I, you know, I will never betray myself ever, never. So my, the riskiest thing for me to do is to follow my own gut and follow my own instinct at the expense of knowing that my friends and family and society will most likely say that that wasn't a good idea even though I'm happy with the outcome. Those are those are the riskiest. All of my risks on this list are things that people in my friends, family, society, somebody said, I don't think you should do that, or I don't think that's a good idea.
1: So you were kind of interpreting it as a risk based off of what other people were get, like. They were projecting onto you. And that people could say, see, I told you you had made the wrong choice. Like, okay. see, I told you you're going to regret it. So uh, do you think your risk is definitely more just tied into um like what people would think if you did it and it didn't work out or because you felt like you were actually it's the risk that my intuition is wrong
0: okay which is the ultimate scariest thing to me because I trust it so Mm -hmm. fully that if there was a day that my intuition was wrong that would mean the basis of my entire life is wrong every choice I made then is wrong so I'm really lucky that every risk on this now, it's chicken or the egg. Am I grateful and am I happy with all these choices because I'm so afraid of admitting ever that they were wrong? Or are they really the things that I am I took risks on and I truly am happy? From where I sit, I would say that I'm really happy with the way that all these went. Um, yeah. But I also don't allow myself to live in a space of spending time, wasting time, wishing I could have done it differently because I just don't think there's a point to that.
1: Yeah, and with the risk... We talked about the risk reward ratio, mm-hmm. so I think that that can also feed into your interpretation of like what is actually a risk for your life. Right. And I think for me, my what I felt like were the biggest risks typically involved my financial stability and security, emotional security, and um, you know just having a strong sense of who I am. I think a lot of my risks are all within that umbrella because it's not necessarily like I've put myself in plenty of physically dangerous situations that I did not I wasn't scared of you know I didn't have that fear I mean maybe there was like an inkling with my intuition where I was like this probably isn't right but I didn't feel like I was you didn't think it was a risk yeah Yeah. um so so what was your first what are some of the first ones you have on your list of your biggest risks um well I would say The ones that stood out for me were when I quit my job at, I was like an administrative assistant at a magazine that I talked about before that was seven years of hell for my life. And I got to the point, you know, at that point I had been working there since I was 18. So I started right out of high school because I didn't do the traditional going to college thing. I had to get a job. so quitting that job after years and years of mental anguish and torture. And I had finally made a decision to do something for myself. I wanted to go to vet tech school and I wanted to get my degree and I wanted to take that path because it's something that I'd always wanted to do. However, with quitting that job, I was leaving behind financial security and routine. And it was like, a very easy job. I didn't really have to put a lot of work into it. And um, that was definitely the first time it felt like I was like taking a leap into the unknown where I was pretty nervous about it. Um, I was going to be taking a pay cut, you know, eventually when I did get my degree because vet techs are severely underpaid, mm-hmm. but I knew that going into it. So I think knowing all of the logistics of it and then making the decision, it felt like a huge risk because I was compromising my, my life, my livelihood. And being able to provide for myself. So that I think I'm sure is tied into some type of evolutionary thing or maybe just how I was brought up because we didn't have a lot of money where I always wanted to make sure that I had my needs met, like my basic human needs. And if they weren't or if they were threatened in any way, it was pretty hard for me to make the decision.
0: Yeah, so. you see money as security, yeah, as a form of security. Um So... And and but what's so funny is that if we as, as we look at it now, I understand obviously why you saw it that way then and why you felt that way. But the irony is that if we were to look at them really now, and the true definitions of like risk and and chance, right? Mm-hmm. The risk, as you said and learned then, was staying would have been staying because you were actually subjected to harm at that emotional place, emotional mental. harm at that place, um, and stress and just like a negative toxic place. Um, And you were really given a chance to do something else. and like,
1: Or you took a chance. So really the risk would have been staying and you took the chance to not. And that kind of even poses a question of like, you know, with risk, is it always, you know, is is it correlated to action? Like do you always have to be taking an action and also be taking a risk? And I think that kind of maybe even proves or answers the question is that you can Mm -hmm. take inaction and still be taking a risk. So it's not always about like, the step forward that you're making that's a risk it could also just be staying stagnant in a bad situation where you are continuously putting yourself at risk absolutely especially when it comes
0: to toxic relationships environments work those types of things which i mean i felt the same way um not that i would not that it was a toxic situation but when i left nannying it was a very similar situation Mm -hmm. i had nannied for almost 10 years it it felt the same way um to me uh in that it was one of the biggest risks of my life and it that to me i think was even scarier because i wasn't i didn't have a very strong intuition feeling like i must get out of here i just knew that life wouldn't begin until i did mm-hmm. and i the risk was things will start to happen and fall in place if you show the universe that you're willing to even take a risk mm-hmm. so to me that was kind of like my my entry Fee, if you will, onto like the ride where I was like, okay, I'm gonna show the universe that I'm serious by quitting my job and just taking this other job in this in real estate that I have no idea what I'm fucking doing. And I think it did pay off because it led me to where I am now. And if I was still nannying, I wouldn't I definitely wouldn't have been in school. We wouldn't have this podcast, I wouldn't have time or energy to do
1: anything. So um, both places, I think, were depriving us of so much that the financial security clearly. I mean, we've talked about it before, but it clearly didn't. You not don't even outweigh... think about it. When it's... Yeah, like the we would have been deprived of time, energy, and exposure to different skills. And, and the truth like that. was, at the time, even though we didn't feel that way,
0: I you know still am, but it was with Ricky and you were with Seven. Like, we weren't really, if we were truly single and, like, we're quitting our jobs and going to school, that really is a risk. Like, mm-hmm. there's a chance you can run out of money. But we had partners that were supporting us and, you know, for oh, me, yeah. still are. So really, for us, it was all... It wasn't really that, right. you know what I mean? Like we thought that it was, but yeah. the truth is like we had agreed like we were in a good situation where we could do that.
1: Yeah. If anything, I mean, it was it was definitely a good opportunity. It wasn't even necessarily a risk by definition. It was just a really good opportunity mm-hmm. for both of us. So um, it is just interesting kind of to look back at those experiences and, you know, we can say that our younger selves felt like we were taking risks back, th- back then, but we can very clearly see that it was not. It was more so just like a really good opportunity to... Do what we were meant to do. So, um, yeah, I think
0: like my, my first, the first big risk I took, and again, this was, this was because it was truly my intuition, was not going to college. Mm -hmm. I was fully signed up to go to school at Virginia Commonwealth. I was ready to go. Um, I was going for journalism. It was the plan. I had, I was so dedicated to that school. Um, I had like a representative come up and meet me. It. I couldn't have tried harder to get into that school and I did and then I was like mm, no doesn't feel right in my gut it doesn't feel right I just I don't know why and I couldn't explain it to anyone um and that was the biggest risk I mean like everyone I knew was going to four-year schools that was me admitting that like everything I thought I had planned on my entire Childhood, growing up, I always thought I would be a journalist. I did. There was never a question in my mind, and that was me really admitting, like, you maybe you're not,
1: mm-hmm.
0: just maybe you're just not. And if you are, not now. Yeah. And um, it was. I remember everyone just being like, "You're insane," and that's what I mean. Like those choices, those are the choices that I take where it's not like I'm putting myself in physical risk. It's the loss of what the potential of what that decision holds. Um, and I'm giving up outweigh weighing the risk you know like I'm giving up a four-year education at a school out of state that is renowned for journalism that I know I could probably get a job in Washington afterwards Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but it doesn't feel right and I have to just I have to really believe that whatever's waiting for me even though I can't imagine what is in store for me by staying in PA um And it all led the way it was because nothing – you and I wouldn't be friends, of course, butterfly effect style. None of that would be happening if I had gone to school.
1: Well, and it's hard because it does feel even – it feels scarier and riskier when that's just what people do. You go Mm -hmm. to college after high school. You graduate after four years. You're not even
0: supposed to second guess it. The fact I was second guessing it after already getting in and agreeing was insane.
1: And – I mean just the fact that you have to make the decision to what you know with what you're going to do for the rest of your life at the age of 18 when you're a child and I think that I always used to look at people I always felt like they were so lucky people who did know what they wanted to do because I was like they got it all planned out they can just go according to their plan and you know turns out sometimes that's not always the way that you're meant to go so yeah with the the Peer pressure, society pressure of what you should be doing at that age, and then not doing it. I'm sure and and it felt like I
0: wasted I wasted the person who worked at the university who came to see me. I wasted their time. I wasted the editor of my paper who was my journalism teacher who had spent so much time with me, uh, preparing me. Like he gave me editor position of the newspaper in high school when I really didn't deserve it. Like just to prepare me for that, you know. So there was a lot of things that I felt like. I had already had a sweatshirt that said VCU. You know what I'm saying? I still do. You know that sweatshirt. It's gray. It has pink letters on it. It's right. right there. Right there. Yep. So it's, you know, it felt like beyond backtracking. And that was my very first experience when everyone thought and wanted me to do something and me being like, no. Mm-hmm. And holding my ground and just not doing it. No matter how much people said I was going to regret it. Um, And it was the first time that I felt like... I should keep doing this. I should keep going against... Even if I... Even if everyone else thinks that that's what's right. It kind of started signifying to me, like, that's kind of my purpose on this earth is, like, to just... To maybe say the thing or do the thing that everyone else isn't really comfortable with doing. Mm -hmm. I feel comfortable in that and I need to, like, really push it along. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's got to be a... There's got to be something for everybody and it's not always the traditional way. And I... Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that if anything, it's much more fun and interesting to kind of live your own plan, set your own rules. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But then I think after that, after, you know, the quitting of the job, going to tech school, you know, I got that done. But then I would say the next biggest risk that I can recall would definitely be relationship involved. And it was when I finally made the decision to leave seven and move back home and I think that it felt like a risk at that time because it was something that I didn't see at the time. But I think my biggest fear, hence the risk, was that I was going to then have to really navigate life on my own. Like I had, it had taken me a while to really settle into the idea that I could be with this person for the rest of my life. We had built a life together over seven years and we lived together for four of them. And we had really kind of set this trajectory for ourselves of what we were going to do with our relationship. And then when that was going awry, I could see it falling apart. And I think it was becoming much more apparent to me that, you know, when I finally did leave him, I was like, wow, I actually have to find out who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, now I have to go on this journey of self-discovery and now I have to figure out, start all over, you know, and, moving back in with my mom and then having to figure that out, I didn't really have a plan, but I think just the fact that I would have to uproot my life that I had built and then start over felt very scary and very risky because I didn't really know anything else. You know, I think I spent really formative years with him. And when you are in that mindset in your 20s, in a long-term relationship, It really does kind of change your brain, you know, you kind of start to rely on this person and rely on this plan and become a little codependent, or I did at least. And when I'm breaking that codependency, of course, I'm going to feel exposed and vulnerable. And like we've also talked about before, with vulnerability, I think risk is also, you know, coupled in there sometimes because you're just exposing yourself. You don't know what's going to happen to me. What am I going to do? So Of course, it turned out to be the best thing for me. And I think that I definitely would have posed a greater risk if I stayed with him because we were just going down a black hole, both of us, emotionally and mentally, that I don't really see us ever – I don't think that we ever would have worked our way out of it. At that point, I think we would have been so dead inside, even more so, that, of course, again, it was a much bigger risk to stay in a situation that was unhealthy than it was to uproot my life compromise my financial stability and start all over so and ultimately the thing that you were so unsure
0: of ended up being the best thing like you you know you hadn't lived on your own um you were with your mom and then hills have eyes and then me and then seven Mm -hmm. so like even though you and i weren't dating you weren't alone i was single at that time too so we still had each other and to figure things out together and be like how do we do this like this this broke like how do we fix it right um but then ultimately it's so funny is like the thing you were unsure of and afraid of is like now your favorite thing and the thing you're so worried about ever having to give ever up losing is living is alone your
1: independence. And you know don't get me wrong it's still I'm still a woman living in America so living alone and being single does have its risks that I'm very aware of you know Like you have to take care of cave crickets. Cave cr- I I'm the sole bug remover from the house. So think about that all of you out there who have somebody to do that for you. That's, that's why I'm a serial monogamist. Catch
0: me with the ugliest person in the room forever.
1: I don't even care. (laughs) Catch me never alone, (laughs) ever.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, I think that that's the thing is, and that is a theme throughout all of our risks, is that the things that we were most afraid of, a lot of them resulted in the things that we now can't imagine life without. Yeah. Um, Oh, sorry about that. My biggest risks... I know we hopped a little out of order with me um, quitting nannying because that, that was about four years, five years ago now, four and a half years ago. Mm. Isn't that crazy? That was four and a half years ago.
1: I feel um, like longer.
0: Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. To me, I'm still like, I think. I'm a nanny. Yeah. It still feels <laughs> weird to me. Um, My biggest risk after that, I guess, we're moving to California. Um, So after my ex died, uh, suddenly I, and I, so he passed away a few months later. I was sexually assaulted and I was just like, I got to get. I got to get minor out of here. <laughs> I got to get out of here. And I was dealing with Regina George and I was dealing with like a lot of things that I was like, I got to go. So I ran away to California, as I like to put it. Um, that one was a risk because I, not uh, above all else, you know, obviously I'm moving to a place where I don't know anyone and all those types of obvious risks. But the risk in that one was that actually it was, that was the first time I learned that. Just because, just because it's the right decision doesn't mean it's going to work out. Like mm-hmm. sometimes things don't work out and that doesn't mean you made the wrong choice. That was still the right choice. You had to fail. like you had, Or not fail, but you had to have that experience. Yeah. So for me, that was the first time I thought because I didn't go to college and I followed my intuition and then I started breaking up with people or dating people based on my intuition. And at that point when it came to California, I felt like, I felt like everything in my life had kind of happened maybe to lead me there and I felt like it was the solution to a lot of my problems and um, I realized that that was actually just maybe the universe testing like do you really trust your intuition? Are you willing to leave everything, your job, your friends, your family and go out somewhere and live on a blow up mattress where you don't know anyone? Like are you willing to do that just because it feels right and I did and then I had to come home and not because it felt right but because I ran out of money. (laughs) and I was in a recession and 2010 sucked so um that was like that and and the coming home was a huge risk too I was just as torn I was like I'm here now you know like what do I do like but there really was no other feasible option if I could have stayed I would but um but that risk of like and then coming back and people the resolve of knowing like even if people think I made the wrong choice and, like, want me to – want to laugh and be like, oh, you happy that you went now? Like, yeah, I am. Yeah. And and stay strong in that and to believe, like, you know what, they might think that I failed, but I, that was the lesson that I needed to learn. That's yeah. exactly the path I was supposed to be on.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that really just goes that's, – that's like a timeless, never-ending – that you have to keep with yourself is just knowing that even if everybody else is telling you that it's the wrong decision, but you, for whatever reason, need to find out or you need to do it for yourself to learn that lesson, of course, there's, there's like, you can't live your life based off of what other people think is right for you. You know, it could be, it could be very obvious. And I think, you know, touching on that point of like, what looks good on paper is what keeps us in decisions sometimes longer than we need to be. And like, I'm guilty of doing that for sure. Where I overthink things a lot. I try to really like write out the pros and the cons so, so that I can convince myself that even though this isn't feeling right, I should still do it because it's just what looks good on paper. And it's what makes quote unquote most sense. Mm -hmm. But we have found out that that gets fucked up all the time. Like we can try to plan for everything and overthink it till we're, you know, blue in the face, but that most of the time we just find ourselves just stagnant i i can only speak for myself in that way cuz i do just find myself just waiting in the waters waiting for something to happen when really i just need to kind of take the action so and sometimes we think like you know the you, you like to think to yourself as a human like Okay, if
0: I'm taking this huge risk and I'm putting everything on the line, the universe is gonna pay me back. You know, like it's not just gonna let me take this risk and then let me fail. Like, clearly, there's something great waiting for me here. And I can't say, I'm sure that's the case for however many millions of people moved to LA thinking they were gonna be an actress. And then here they are, like, as a waiter at a diner 75 years later. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, Sometimes like you really think that just because you want it so bad and that it feels right <clears throat> and that you're taking the risk that it should quote unquote work out. And I think that's one of the most humbling lessons is being like, I should keep following my intuition. It just doesn't mean that I know how things are going to end up or that, or that the best way is what I think, you know, like sometimes it's not what you expect. And like a good example would be one of my next risks was that I took a risk and adopted a dog. Um, she ruined our apartment, she hated me, she didn't like anything, she was extremely traumatized, and I was devastated, because I was like, I've never lived without a dog, I want a dog, my life isn't complete without one, blah, 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 and then one day, I, I returned the dog back to her foster, I didn't have her for long, and I was still hellbent on not being alone, and then one day, I went on Craigslist, and I saw there was free cats in the Northeast, and I was like, well, I've never had a cat and I'm terrified of cats, but I feel like I'm supposed to do this. So I'm
1: just going to do it. I mean, that was definitely, that was quite, that was quite a, (laughs) quite a concept for me to really understand because Katie, for as long as I had known her at that point, which was definitely what like maybe like a few years, four years, yeah. She hated cats. She didn't even think kittens were cute. I would want to go see the kittens at the pet store and well, she Well they made me sad. She well, like I, don't I understand know. that, but you also just hated cats. I did, no, I did. You hated a lot of things that now <laughs> have become staples in your life. Yep. But um yeah, so def- it was an interesting decision, however, um a risk nonetheless. And you know, it's it's really just about like <clears throat> like you said, like things not always going according to plan. What kind of bringing us up to current times is when I do make a conscious decision to do some type of life-altering change or something. Um, Managing the expectations is always important because you can be aware that you're about to make, I don't even, you know, I kind of, it's evolved from taking a risk to then just like taking a leap of faith and like leaning more towards into the opportunity and chance of like what could come from this big change. But we're going to be aware that Something bad could happen or something unfavorable could happen. However, we are a little bit more prepared, I think. I would like to think, at least. I don't think that things feel as... Well, they still feel scary. But I think it's really just our mindsets that have changed. I have to push myself, continuously push myself, to do
0: things all of the time that I find very scary. I. It's still hard for me to um and honestly especially with my anxiety the last couple of years it's gotten even worse like it's really really hard for me like you know best example you know when um Dax Shepard always says this can't won't be an episode if I don't bring up armchair. Mm -hmm. Dax Shepard always says that as a comedian and maybe and also as kind of a risk taker like you're the person that he's somebody who walks into a room and thinks like what's the thing I could do that would be like the worst thing I could do like just, there's some people who just walk into a space and Ricky does it. He's, he's admitted to it where he walks in and he, he can't help but think like, what would be the worst thing I could do right now? Mm-hmm. And that never, ever, ever crosses my mind. I never walk into a room and I'm like, what if I just like broke that window? Or what if I just knock that drink out of someone's hand? Like I don't think about that at all. What I think about is what could go wrong to me. So like today... I was in the shower. I envisioned myself slipping, falling, and hitting my head open. I was like, wait a second, Uh, and then I started getting really nervous, and I was like, oh my god. Like I started thinking like, well, if I did that, I would hit my glass shower door, it would fall on me, and then I was like, it would amputate my leg, and I would probably bleed so fast I would just die. Like, I just, the risks like that are ever present in my mind all of the time, and I have to consciously, and I know that a lot of that is from anxiety specifically because anxiety is the what if mm-hmm. what if this goes bad? what if something bad happens but um it's my thing is now go is I can't listen to it all the time. sometimes I have to go against it and I have to pick and choose my battles of things that feel you know, going to California for me was extremely scary um not just because of my anxiety, but because. <laughs> I was afraid of wildfires. I'm afraid there's going to be a tsunami every time I'm on a coast. I'm like, God, don't let this be the day. I'm there's the big earthquake could hit while I'm there. My plane could go down. Like those are the risks that I'm always I, everywhere I am. I'm like, is there an active shooter? Like, is there a shoot? Is does there anyone have a gun? Like,
1: well, I mean, it's not. You know, that's also not. Um some is realistic and some is not. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think the things that seemed really outlandish before are now a reality. So I think that we've Which just, does not do me any favors. No. So I think that it's kind of evolved with the times of the world. You know, mm-hmm. I think that the world has become a much, much riskier place. Mm-hmm. And so we have Going to the of movies is a
0: risk now. You know? Going to
1: school is a risk. And you can't do anything without a threat anymore especially with
0: covid like literally everything is a risk now truly
1: yeah and i think that that's you know we are not the only ones i'm sure you know i think that there's probably a lot a lot of people who are now have a much more heightened feeling of anxiety and fear and worry and deciding what
0: is worth a risk and what isn't
1: Yeah, and so it is something that you kind of have to battle with every single day. I mean, just leaving your house, there's multiple risks that may not have been there before that they are now. And, you know, the best thing that I can do is really just – the way that I think about it, there's a couple of different things that I kind of use and tell myself when I feel like I may be putting myself in a risky situation is just, you know, if I'm making a big life change, like I've changing jobs for me – is usually a risk because of the financial stability that I feel is being compromised. And I mean, we it all kind of ties in together, but I feel like what I tell myself is like, would I rather stay in this situation that I know is going to make me unhappy for a very long time? Or... The unknown like which one is scarier to me yeah you and I have both we both do that and we both do that to and for
0: each other depending on the situation Mm -hmm. if we can't see outside of it of and I think that's something that's helpful too is to like talk it through with somebody else because if you are somebody who has anxiety and especially in these days when things do everything seems so scary and risky things can get bigger and bigger in your mind so it's it's sometimes good to talk it through with someone for sure but um For both of us, I think it's like you can get so hung up on what could happen if you make this decision, if you make this change. And so often don't list the risks associated with staying or inaction. So I think making both an action and inaction list of risks, what could go wrong if I don't change and what could go wrong if I do – um, you can compare them, and a lot of there's been times. I would say most of the time, you and I have done that. We've made the change. We've decided yeah. staying would be worse because
1: we we already know deep down that we need to make the change. And I think that's why it feels risky is because I think it's something that we know that we have to do in order to live a better life for ourselves. But we just don't want to because it's much more comfortable not making change. And well, yeah. If we if because if you think about it, like the when you're at a point where
0: you're being you're kind of being not forced, but pushed to make a, dis- a change in a decision. It's because you're no longer happy or you want more or you're, you know what I mean? You feel that you can handle more or whatever. And that would all happen over time because you've been at a place ignoring those signs. So like, By the time that you were ready to quit the magazine and by the time I was ready to quit nannying, we had been telling ourselves for years and years that this is safe. This is good. Like this is, we're good with this. When in reality, we weren't even paying attention to all the risks that we were dealing with every day.
1: But we were also not ignoring the trials and tribulations. So it was like, we were really kind of doing it to ourselves. You know, we were feeling safe and secure and in our routine. However, we knew that we were not happy every single day. And... I think that's the thing is, like, when I'm deciding whether or not to make a leap of faith or make a huge change, I tell myself, well, here's all the things in my current situation that I know are non-negotiable, that I hate, that make me feel like the soul is being sucked from my body, and I know that for a fact. So even though the unknown is uncertain and unknown, it's still, like, It's easier to see the possibility of the good in that because you already know for sure factually what you already don't like and what you can't. And honestly, if you're ever in a position
0: where you're trying to decide, like you're like, here's what I know will happen if I stay. I don't know what will happen if I go or if I change. And someone ever says to you, "The devil you know is better than the one you don't." You can tell them that it is not the 1700s anymore, (laughs) and we are not. We don't even believe in devils, and we're not doing this because that is that is a saying and a trick that people have used to keeping them in bad marriages and bad relationships and bad jobs since like whenever that fucking saying was invented and I think it's something that it didn't serve especially women it didn't serve people to encourage women to think for themselves and make changes and go outside the box and leave relationships and start a new job or whatever um that hasn't societally worked you know for everyone else so I think as women we're we're very risk averse and we're very, we're told like, don't do that. Be careful, be safe. Don't say the wrong thing. Don't, you know what I mean? And I think that it's just a conditioning that we just have to break out of and and start thinking for ourselves a little bit. And if someone tries to tell you it's safer to stay in whatever pain you're in, tell them that you're sorry that they believe that, but you know better.
1: And that's, it's, it's become such a warning sign for me of like, what, like it gives me a good insight to how people, are and like if I want them, how much I want them in my life because, um, you know, my current situation, I think the biggest risk I took recently was changing jobs again. It was still within the same field, but changing jobs after being at a job that I was very comfortable in, very secure in for five to six years and I was making a leap into a different facility that was brand new. It wasn't even just new for me. It was new from the ground up. You know, nobody, even the people who started the business, didn't know how it was going to go. And that was a huge risk, not only just for myself, but just the whole company, who knows? It could flounder. You don't know that. But again, I use that same mindset of already knowing what I, you know, couldn't tolerate in my current situation and making that change. But it was, I, I did put a lot of thought into it. So although, you know, I was kind of weighing the options on paper again, I again, I knew. I knew that I had to do it eventually. It was just a matter of time. And even I did get a little bit of pushback from certain people who were like, you know, just couldn't understand why I would leave such a comfortable, secure place. And that's okay. They don't need to understand. I was still going to make the decision, but it felt different this time. I felt much more com- like much more comfortable making the change than I was even staying in the stability. Um, I felt much more confident and I was looking forward to not knowing. I was looking forward to being able to build something from the ground up, hopefully, and start over. And what used to be the biggest risk factor for me of the starting over again became like the biggest reward, as cheesy as that sounds, but it really was because, you know, I managed my expectations the you know reasonably and now I'm in a situation that I can feel very satisfied with. And I'm you know, just always grateful for moving forward and making changes because it does start to build that confidence. And it's all the building blocks that just make you feel like you can do anything. And then at that point, you're going to be wanting to make changes left and right. And that's, that's how we keep moving forward is changing always. So, um, the only other thing I wanted to add was just because I had mentioned it, the Miami story Mm. of times that Katie and I have put ourselves in situations. Well, here's the thing. I say we, but Katie has always been the voice of reason. She's always been the one, as she explained, after the age of like
0: twenty-one. That before well, that, I,
1: I wouldn't. Well, right. Okay. I, I was the one pushing you into
0: danger before that, and then I made a turn. <laughs> okay. I made. I went through some traumas after Ian died, and I was sexually assaulted the second time. After that, I was like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Yeah, <laughs> we need to start taking stock and being careful around here. Yes,
1: eyes and ears all the time. Yeah. So Katie was. She she took that role on. So. I'm sure a lot of the situations that we were in um, probably would have gone worse if I was left to my own devices. So there was a time, because these are situations that you would think would be the riskiest, that would be the most scary, would be the more, we would have to be more cautious, but we weren't. And what I'm alluding to is the fact that Katie and I and two other our two other friends, Ray and Regina George, were almost sex trafficked in Miami, real talk, and... Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to make light of the situation, but also at looking back on it, it's so we crazy were, though, to me, you know, right. It's just still so crazy to me that that, that we were in that situation and thankfully we got out it of it. It was
0: crazy to me that no one saw it as a risk except for me. That, that was what was, it wasn't crazy to me that we were almost getting sex trafficked because like I said, I watch a lot of SVU. Anything is possible. And as I said, I'm always on the alert. Somebody is don't trust anybody so i wasn't surprised i mean a little Mm -hmm. creeped out i guess i was more surprised at like how especially ray was like no this is fine and i was like (laughs) wait because ray is always the person that i could turn to to be like listen she's usually on the same she's right below me she'll she'll let she's much more easygoing than i am But I think now she would be different after all of her her therapies. But back then she was so willing to just have fun and be easygoing, and I'm not. I'm the least easygoing. So um, you know, we basically we were having lunch in Miami. Of course, we were having lunch outside, and a woman. I know is the best. It was so fun. We were at the Palace, which if anyone knows, it's super famous Uh. in Miami. It's the best. We, a woman came up to us, a promoter, as they do, and she was telling us to come to this club tonight, and da-da-da, and she would get us in for free, and we could have a bottle, and blah, blah blah all the promises that promoters do. Mm-hmm. But because she was a woman, we were like, oh, okay, we trust you. And again, I'm stupid. I watch so much SVU, I should have known this. I'm not, I know. Mm-hmm. So as we, we get an address, and we take a cab, and as we're driving there, we realize we were staying in South Beach. And as we're driving, my first clue, because like I said, I'm always paying attention like, always. Eyes and ears. Always. And um, I'm not very good at being present, like, in having fun being present because of that. So as we're driving, I remember saying to you guys in the taxi, like, we're leaving South Beach. And I was like, now we're in the city of Miami. And I was like, now we're in an area that I don't know where this is. And we're very, very far. And, you know, I didn't want to leave South Beach, okay? I, we're from Philly. I know how it goes when you get into the city. I didn't want to leave South Beach. So we get there. Automatically, we go in, and the club is, like, empty, the lights are fully, fully, fully fucking on. And they take us to, like, this table. We sit down. And we're like, can we have some drinks? She's like, sure, sure, sure. We'll bring you a bottle in a minute.
1: The now, lady also, leaves. Mind you, also, on the way there, she had been texting me. And the texting was also, like, our should have been our first hint. Because she was very, like, kind of wishy-washy but also vague. I was, like, I was staying in contact with her so that when we got there, she could let us in. Mm-hmm. So that should have been the first inclination and then when we got there and the lights were on in the club and but the music was playing i mean you know it was it was, all it was really from there.
0: weird and then like she the woman left, and then she came, like walked away, and then came back with more girls, like four more girls, and sat them at the table with us. And then she walked. We we all asked for drinks again, and this repeated another two or three times until eventually we were at like a semicircle booth, crammed in with I think it was like three other groups of girls. There was like thirty girls there. There was a lot of girls, and I, as I and that's when I so okay. the first thing was that number one, um, I know this is gonna sound really weird, but we. Our group was the only group that was interracial. So I am just a straight up white girl. It's pretty obvious. Christy's obviously Korean. Ray is ambiguous. ambiguous. And um, Regina George was. She was also kind of of ambiguous. Also ambiguous, I would say. But none of us are, we're not all white girls, all black girls, all Asian girls, whatever. None of us look the same. None of us look the same. The next group of girls that were brought in were all, there were three groups of girls and each group all looked the same. Like, I, and all different than us. So the next group that came in was like four white girls, all blonde, blue eyes, tall, model looking types. The next group was like a model group of black girls, stunning black, like four black girls were beautiful. And the next group was Asian girls. And that's when I was like, Something. we seem like a variety pack, don't we? Don't we seem like we're, they're picking the best of of different looks and putting us into a into a pile. And I started, and then I realized that we were higher up, like the booths were up higher than the floor. So you could kind of like, you could see all of the tables and everyone at the tables from the floor. And I started noticing that it was all girls at the tables and the guys were on the floor.
1: There was, yeah, um, it's hard to remember, but it was, you could tell that all of the girls at the table were confused. None of so, us knew. Some were more
0: concerned than others. The white girls that were right next to me were just taking selfies. They were totally yeah. oblivious.
1: But you could tell that... Well, we were more confused as to why we weren't getting any drinks. None of us yes. had drinks. Um, we weren't allowed to get up to get drinks. They told us to stay seated. And a lot of the girls were just kind of like... We were, We got to the point where we were all kind of like looking at each other. Like, where are the fucking drinks? And As the girls were being brought in, I was saying to Ray, like... Because I still remember Regina George is
0: taking selfies with you. And I remember looking at Ray and being like, this doesn't feel right. Like, as more and more, and she was like, yeah, I think it's all right. And I kept being like, yeah, you're right. Okay, I just got to, I have to chill. Like, I'm sure it's fine, whatever. And then by the last one, I was like, we got to go. Like, we, we need to go, like, right now. And it started feeling like, an, like we had a sense of urgency and we should really get going.
1: And um, Then they wouldn't let us leave. Then they didn't, yeah, they didn't they want us lock to leave. They the door. Um, they told us to wait. They just kept telling us to wait. No one was giving us any information, but we couldn't leave. And then, And then when we couldn't leave and, like, we were being trapped in there, essentially, then we started to really kind of panic. And then we had to, like, flee through the fire exit. Like, there was, like, some... Some good Samaritan, like security guard, who was like, "This is the way out." And let I us think out. no, I think he was letting people in, or he was going oh, like in. We, Somebody like, was going out. in, and we were go
0: We were like, and he was like, "Hey!" And we like walked past him, and then we saw there was like a little alleyway, like a breezeway between the buildings, and a gate at the end, like a chain link. We were running. We at that got point. through there, and then when we came around, there was a bunch of people waiting to get into the club, and we yelled, "Like, don't go in if you want, unless you want to get sex trafficked." But they were trying to keep us in there, and then when what I what. We realized after we got through that gate, when you looked back through the breezeway from where we came, like let's say we came out of the club, we went to the right. If we had gone to the left, there was a van. Did you Do you remember that? No. So to the left, there was a van. To the right, and that's when I realized, I didn't know, like I knew something was shady. I didn't know if they were trying to roofie us. Like that's where my brain was going. Something where, was
1: going to happen. But then when I
0: saw the van, that's when I was like, they were going to usher us into that van.
1: Something was definitely going to happen. You know, we don't. We don't know for sure, but either way, like, it didn't feel, like, the risk and the danger of that situation didn't actually sink in for me until, like, years later as I had experienced more life where I was like, holy fucking shit. Like, we were really very close to a life-threatening situation, and for whatever reason in that moment, because I was just oblivious, it didn't feel as risky as quitting my job. (laughs) And we we did try to tell, FYI, in case anyone's thinking
0: about this, because I want to make it clear, we did try to tell the other girls at the table, that something seemed weird. Ray and I tried to tell them, or I did. I don't remember if Ray did, but I remember saying like, do you guys know like what's going on here? Have you been here before? Do you know anyone? And was openly saying like, this seems weird. Some of the girls were just taking selfies and truly I was not hot enough to be in their presence. You could tell I I was not, um, I wasn't over five, six. So I like wasn't cool. But the other girls, a couple of them did seem like they were starting to think something was weird too, but they didn't get up with us. I, I did say like we're leaving. Yeah. Um, as we got up and left and, and that was it.
1: Um So yeah, that's just a little a little contrast to things that we kind of associated with risk, but turns out, you know, we were already in the situation before it felt like a risk. So it's just interesting how how the mind works and what we kind of feel is like actually very scary, dangerous behavior and what is um what's not what's really just a chance
0: you know and that everything that you worry about isn't always the thing you should worry about you know like going to a club with your friends at 9 p.m doesn't seem like a risk but maybe always know where you're going and maybe always look up reviews and maybe like do your due diligence you know because even the things that don't seem like they could be scary or be a risk are actually the things that are the riskiest
1: and vice versa Um, so I think that, you know, I hope that this episode is just something that kind of inspires anybody to kind of, I guess, just take a look at situations, like if they're making changes in their life, like my takeaways from it is really just changing my, my life in some way. And if that's something that feels risky to you, maybe take a little bit of a closer look and... Maybe change the framing of it and think of it more as like an opportunity for something if you're unhappy as opposed to something that could be very dangerous when really it's the right choice for you. Um, that's my biggest lesson in all the things that felt risky but really were just good opportunities.
0: Yeah. Um, so before we go, let's – you can probably hear it. My cat is crying for dinner. That's the sign. It's time to go. Um, so before we go – We'll ignore Ernest Cries and let's talk about our diamonds really quick. So I'm going to say mine first. Um, I talked to you about it a little bit before we came on, but I watched the new Love Sex Goop on Netflix. I watched the first one um, and I just, I'm totally one of those people who like hated Gwyneth Paltrow and now like I love her so much and like I hate myself forever even. She's a genius. She she really is. Um It was Really interesting. This one was about couples and about like sexual connection, but also love and trust and all the different things. Um, I just thought it was fascinating. I watched it and literally just like it, it there's only six episodes and I think they're each 45 minutes, so you can watch it pretty quick. Um, <laughs> but I thought it was really good. And I also, this is just I meant to mention this. I did finish the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which was my um Diamond Last Week, the new book that I started reading. And I have to say, it was a really good book, and it was definitely not what I expected, and um, I would, I <laughs> I would suggest um, to anyone to read it. It was definitely not, it's not what you thought. I, I know that it was loosely based off of, um, the character's loosely based off of Elizabeth Taylor and all of her marriages, um, so I thought that it was kind of going to be about that but it's it's not that's not what it's about so um i I would i don't want to give it away but i would suggest it to anyone for a very easy read i read it in literally like five hours i think so low-key flex Mm -hmm.
1: um so my diamond is a little different this week because it's not like a tv or book or movie wreck. um it's really just a moment of me being a complete dumbass but also cracking myself up So. I'm at work and I'm talking to a coworker about he we got on the topic of octopuses, octopi, um, and just like how fascinating they are and how he thinks that they're really interesting and They're aliens. They're aliens and all that stuff and like all the different things that they can do and how smart they are. And I was I was like, I know, like I was agreeing, and I was like, Yes, they are very fascinating, very out there, and I was like, It's crazy. I was watching like a movie or like this documentary about this octopus that got kidnapped and trapped but because they're so they're shapeshifters like it got out and escaped and then like liberated itself and other creatures and i was like i can't remember what it was called but he was like is that the plot of finding dory it's like it is holy shit it is i was like (laughs) so like positive that it was like this interesting documentary very informative so creative and it did you watch that when you were high (laughs) I don't think the, so, which is also a little worrisome. But I, it was. He was like, "Is that not finding Dory?" And I was like, "Yeah." Well, the good news is that unfortunately you didn't
0: know this at the time, but that did really happen. Um, I, I didn't. It didn't free its friends. I don't believe, but mm. a, an octopus did escape through a drain pipe in like the San Francisco um, aquarium. I think it was San Francisco. It was an aquarium in America. It had been planning it for years and years and broke its tank, got out, knew where the drain was and got away and like never was to be seen again.
1: Okay, well then that's just, I mean, Finding Dory. you'd be like, yeah, no, and like I'm pretty sure that did actually happen and maybe be like,
0: no, it really (laughs) happened.
1: It's not Dory. I do actually like to think of it as Finding Dory because I was so like, I was like very. I'm sure it was because you didn't know about that story. I was very passionate though and I was very sure and it turns out it was just. It was just Dory
0: and her friends. Most of my life and memories, I'm pretty sure, are like not even real memories. They're just things that I saw on like a, a TV show or, or an article I read once. And I'm like, did hmm. I did I, I make that up? Am or I a genius? Okay, so um, before we go, make sure for you guys to go rate, subscribe, and review to us on iTunes. Y- you don't want to miss a thing, as Aerosmith <laughs> said. So <laughs> oh, wow. um, just make okay. sure to do that. You can go follow us on Instagram at We Don't Know Her Pod. You know, catch us on the ticks and the talks at We Don't Know Her Pod. And lastly, you can send us an email at we don't know her pod at gmail.com, but we won't hold our fucking breath, guys.
1: (laughs) All right. We'll see you on the next one. Peace. Bye.